Welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is an independent music and arts podcast that sometimes veers into social subjects and activism. Um, today it is very much a music podcast. Uh, I have Alex Edkins from Mets. That music playing actually is also Mets, and that's their new single, Hail Taxi off of their album Atlas Vending, <clears throat> and that will be released on Sub Pop Records October 9th, 2020. And uh, after this intro, I'll be playing another small mini chunk of a song, A Boat to Drown In, which is also from their album. And uh, in my show notes, there'll be links to how to buy the album, which comes out October 9th on Sub Pop Records, and... Um, a video link because their music video, especially to the one uh, Boat to Drown In, is a fucking really great video. I keep watching it. Also, I'm uh, as because I of quarantine and because <laughs> uh, I have a baby and I have kids all over the house. I have two kids and I, I'm recording this intro in my bathroom again. This keeps happening, but this is the only room available. And I don't know if you can hear it, but there's a cricket in here. A goddamn fucking cricket is jumping in on my intro to the podcast. Uh, real quick, just a few comments about this, this episode. We um, were running out of Zoom time. And um, so there's a weird in the middle. We're talking about Alex doing music for movies and stuff. And then suddenly it jumps to where we're talking about comedy, Canadian comedy. That's because I had to stop recording and we had to get going again. Or I was trying to, I was trying to fix Zoom, so I was pay, trying to pay for it so we could just keep going. Um, and I just wanted to pay for a month, and I ended up paying for an entire year. Pretty excited about that hundred and forty dollars I spent, <laughs> which because I already have a Zoom account, but not on that one. I was it, anyway. So anyway, there's in the middle. There's a couple weird jumps, so there's no. I couldn't edit it, so it seemed. Fluid, it like the conversation just continued. So, if there seems to be these weird subject jumps, um, it's because I couldn't edit it to smooth to sound smooth and like we were continue talking. So now you know why. Um, also, just real quick, if you like Mets and um, I've interviewed a lot of musicians. I've David Yao from the Jesus Lizard, Tim Presley from White Fence recently. Go and look at my Instagram page, Conversations with Dwyer, or look at my library. There's tons of musicians and other great episodes to uh, check out. So please check out the library. It's There's almost 200 episodes. And if you want to become a Patreon subscriber, go to uh, patreon.com slash conversationswithdwyer. There's bonus material. Sometimes I edit out, you know, you get the shorted, shorter version of the interview. There you get the whole interview um, and videos and blogs and all kinds of stuff. Uh, go to themattdwire.com. That will link you to everything me. Sorry for the long intro. I usually try to keep this as short as possible. Um, we do talk about Canadian comedy. I do think SCTV and Kids in the Hall are probably the best sketch shows of all time. And Martin Short is also probably the funniest living comedian. That's all. We talk about it. <laughs> all right. Now, apologize for the long intro. I usually don't go this long, but I had a lot to cover. October 9th, Sub Pop Records, Atlas Vending, the new Mets album. Check it out. Here's my conversation with Alex Edkins. <laughs> Thank you.
do you guys worry about us down here? Are you like, they're all going to die? <laughs> we do. We do. Um, but it's, it's bad here too. Um, as far as, uh, Corona goes, I mean, it, I think it's been depending where you are in Canada, it's been dealt with differently. Um, it's starting to ease up. It appears here, but yeah, you know, our hearts go out to all of our family in the States. Cause it's, you know, where are you? I'm outside of Los Angeles and California. Okay. I mean, you know, we're on fire and it's not getting, oh my anywhere. God. It's, uh, yeah, I, I just, I have a friend who is in Toronto as well. And he's just like, he said that you guys are legitimately concerned about our well-being, and frankly, I am too. I don't, I don't see this getting any better, and we don't have any fucking leadership. Well, that's. I mean, if if uh, if a large amount of the population sort of don't really buy into the idea that it's on you to fix, um, and that it's real, yeah, I, it's going to just continue, right? Yeah. I, it's. I, I mean, I'm embarrassed to be an American. It's like I feel like I just should apologize as a, as a and as a as a white guy. I just feel like I should apologize to any person of color. Just like sorry, sorry about us. Yeah, it's uh, uh, incredibly tense and frustrating times right now, and we're, we we are uh, certainly not. Um, you know, we're feeling that too up here. It's, I, th I think, you know, we have so much in common. I think we have more in common than we don't. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're all going through it together. I think just in different, uh, you know, maybe not quite as extreme right now Yeah, when and, it comes to Corona. And you're, you're a father as well, right? Do you have kids? That's right. I have one uh, son. Uh, four years old now, uh, like a couple weeks ago. Oh, wow. My daughter's four. Maybe uh, you, you mind an arranged marriage so she can get out of here? <laughs> uh, we can talk about that after. Because <laughs> uh, you guys tour extensively. How has that been as a father? Um, well... Yeah, it's it's been tough at times. I think um, I have a there's definitely a bit of guilt that comes along with being away, um, getting to do what you love and uh, and kind of spending long periods of time away. It, it can weigh on you a little bit. Um, I have got an incredibly supportive family and, and wife, and you know. Um, so she, she doesn't make it diff, more difficult than it is, but I think it's just internalized, you know, with me. I'm like, uh, just with being in a band, there's, there's a lot of fun things that come with it. You know, there's a lot of hard work, but it's also like, you know, you get to see these amazing places, play with great bands, meet cool people. And so, you know, it's a, it's fun. It can be a lot of fun. And so, uh, <laughs> um, I think, oh, oh my God, I'm leaving my, my wife and kids at home to, to like go at it, you know, go at it without me. And, um, yeah, so I don't know, it, it can be really hard at times. Um, I'm trying to think of this quarantine period or this lockdown period as, is a, a bit of a, 
you know, in some ways a godsend because I'm, I'm trying to look at it po- uh, positively, at least I'm getting to spend so much time, uh, with my son and, and wife that, that usually, you know, I mean, all of August, we would have been in Europe. That was the plan. So I, I've, I've got to spend all of August, you know, hanging out with them and, and, uh, you know, getting to, to see my son, uh, you know, ride his bike and, uh, things like that, that I, you know, very possibly could have missed. Yeah. Does he have an interest in music at all? Have you seen any sparks of that? Yeah, he, he's got some favorites. He's got, like, he's a big Johnny Cash fan. It would appear. Um, his main passion is trains. So I think he equates Johnny Cash with trains. Oh, that's, there's a lot of that. Yeah. That kind of chugging syncopation and the fact that some of his songs are about trains. So that's a win-win. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, I think he's got uh, the music bug. I'm not, I'm certainly not pushing it, but you know, our house is full of records and guitars and instruments and stuff. So he kind of, he, he sees it everywhere. And I think at that age, you kind of just soak it all up seems to like flaming he likes the yoshimi record by the flaming lips because of the robot aspect he thinks that's amazing like the battle the song that's basically like a battle song and stuff so he's he's getting into that he's a pretty hip kid i I, well so far so good i mean there's there's the wiggles and stuff like that too so we're not we're not a we're not getting out of scot-free yeah my daughter was into coleman hawkins for a brief moment and Bikini Kill, and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And then she went to Frozen, and it's been hell ever since. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot about Frozen. Yeah. Moana, Frozen. That's, um, it's What's weird is kids now, like, they're more... Um, like as as a kid, like we got, I just got forced to all the boy stuff. And now it's like kids are into, like kids, a bunch of boys I know are into princesses and stuff. And it's like, that would never happen when I was a kid. Yeah, it's true. Eh? I, I mean, yeah, my son's the same. He's he wants to be um, the princesses and stuff, and often chooses to be the the female protagonist in a story. And uh, it's it's interesting. It's cool. I, but you're right. I think uh, I don't think I did that. I don't think I, I I don't know if it was frowned upon, but. You know, my memory's bad, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, my dad would... Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I come from a very working class, so my dad would have... He would have flipped out. Uh, but you did. You had more... Your parents were kind of creative, right? Your dad was a photographer? Well, that's true, but as a hobby, I would, I would have said that we come from a very non-artistic family. Uh, my dad was military. My mom was a teacher. Um, but you're right. He, he, my dad had a passion for, um, photography his whole life. And I did pick up the guitar first because my mom had one in the house. So it's, yeah, I think there's a little bit of the arts, you know, uh, in, in our, in our household, but really not, not all that much. It wasn't a focus. I kind of had to find that on my own. Yeah, I was curious because it wasn't encouraged. And I ended up going into theater, and my that was that was like telling my parents I was gay. Like it was like it was it was like terrifying to tell them, and I didn't think they would accept it. 
right. so I don't know. It's I, I just interested because you're creative and to to encourage your to prosper that your child is something you know. A lot of kids I don't think get as much as they should. Yeah, uh, I mean, my love of music was it was supported, um, but certainly as sort of a, a side thing. It's like, you know, yeah, we'll 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 help you get a guitar, and you know, if you want some lessons, you can have some lessons or something. If that's what you're into, cool. And I, I really, you know, fortunate for that. Um, but it was it was never um, seen as something that you're actually going to be able to do or that you should focus on seriously. You know, it was, uh, definitely a hobby. Uh, and that's pretty much how I approached it actually up, up until, you know, things kind of switched with Mets, but, uh, it was like, definitely don't put your eggs in that basket. That would be foolish. Uh, and that's kind of what I believed my whole life. Um, and just kind of, chipped away at this thing I loved uh, on the weekends and after work and stuff. When did you realize that maybe something was happening with where that was going to transition into your life? Uh, <laughs> Is that too- I still don't quite believe that I get to do it. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in denial most days. Uh, but you know, I don't think we that's my son squealing there. I don't know if you could hear that. Uh, I don't think we, or I, uh, thought it was real until, you know, maybe the, the deal with sub pop happened. And that was, that was in 2012. So, you know, been playing in garage bands and stuff for a good 15 years before that. And then did, the Mads thing for seven years or so, no, uh, four years before, you know, having this kind of fortunate thing happen with sub pop where they, they got their hands on our record and we, we had played some shows with mud honey and I think we got back or something like that. And so it's, it's funny. I remember walking out of a movie theater and I had like, I turned off my phone and I turned, when I turned it back on, I had like 40 messages. I was like, what the hell? You know, what's going on? And it was the guy saying like, check the email. Uh, you're not going to believe it. And it was basically, yeah. Like that, that kind of, that email saying, Hey, we'd like to put your record out. I'm just being totally, uh, gobsmacked by the, by like what, like thinking it's a practical joke almost. Yeah. Cause I mean, for, I feel like from what I've read, you and I have similar like backgrounds and, and musical taste and it's sub pop is like to be, that's like a seminal that that's as big as it gets and, or as cool as it gets, especially with a lot of the bands we seem to like. Right. Um, yeah, I think, uh, if you had have asked the guys in Mets, you know, the dream label, I think they would have been number one, you know, would have been like touch and go or, but sub pop would have been on top and, uh, for it to happen is just crazy. Um, and not only that, but then for our relationship after all these years to still be what it is, it's, 
it's just great. You know, their, their reputation is the way it is because of the people who are there and, uh, they're like, just, you know, I couldn't hope for a better family, uh, as far as a label. It's, it's, you know, it's so supportive and awesome. Before that, like, just to go back, because I know you grew up in kind of a musicless household and that uh, yeah. uh, The Last Waltz was like a seminal moment for you um, in music discovery. I was, I was just curious of what what about that, what grabbed you and what was, what was your music sort of uh, world before that film? Um, yeah, that was a big one. It was kind of, I think we had maybe a VHS of hard days night as well, but it was like sort of the only ways to watch music whenever you wanted other than, uh, this, I guess this would have been before much music, which is MTV in Canada, like, or the same time, but maybe I wasn't allowed to watch too much TV or something, but I was allowed to watch those VHS, like the Beatles VHS and then the band, last waltz um yeah you know when you're living with your parents it's sort of it's what whatever's in the house and i didn't have any money and uh you know i guess maybe we'd get a a uh allowance for cutting the grass or something something like that but it was like in the car i remember pretty much a diet of straight beatles band Simon and Garfunkel, like really middle of the road stuff, like not adventurous. Like there was no Zeppelin. There was no, you know, there was no Sabbath, no kind of like rock, but just the big stuff. Like my mom, even like Nana Muscuri or something would have been on in the car. And so you're held hostage. Uh, <laughs> I still found so much to love in all of that music, but, um, you know, I think I just, when I, when I saw the last waltz, I just, I don't know, these, these guys in the band who are all most for the most part from Ontario too. So that kind of hit home They're They're, you know, Canadian guys, but they just seemed cool uh, to me <laughs> and, uh, and, um, just out there living this exotic life. Um, which when you read more about them and, and everything you realize wasn't very exotic at all, but to a kid, uh, I, I was just like, you know, super impressed by that and got to see all these new acts. Like even just seeing Mavis Staples, like the Staples singers, uh, do that, that track with them open my eyes up to, to other styles of music that I hadn't heard yet. Um, yeah, that's uh, it's because I grew up in a pretty isolated music world as well. I think my mom, like, they had an Anne Murray record and like the soundtrack to John Wayne's Alamo. <laughs> that, was, that was about, and it was I don't know, like I just started learning music about music from my brothers and then neighborhood kids, and that's how I stumbled into punk. How did you come across yeah. punk? Um, I had one, so I grew up a very like a very suburban uh, existence. And, uh, I had one friend, uh, Aaron, who, you know, we taught each other how to play guitar and we, we would do the mail order, um, 
like ebullition catalog and the like heart attack zines and stuff get those shipped into the suburbs and blindly order seven inches because it sounded cool like never hearing any of it and we would we would scheme so okay you're gonna order this one i'm gonna order this one and uh that kind of stuff and even before that i think he might have had the Columbia House thing where you could be like, okay, uh, I'm going to order the soundtrack to The Crow or <laughs> I'm going to order <laughs> I'm going to order this Butthole Surfers uh, CD. Like, I remember that, like Larry Land or something. And like, he got the Melvins record, Stoner Witch. And it was just like... Uh, I think you got a Fu Manchu record, just, just stuff that like, I don't know, we were pretty much blindly choosing it, but got pretty lucky in some respects. And we just shared it and like, just, uh, can like, I don't know, absolutely consumed it. Just couldn't get new music fast enough. Um, so my friend, he was a huge part of like opening my eyes up to like, underground music and he just had better taste than me when it comes down to it like he just kind of knew it was cool when i don't i think i was part of me was probably still like you know i don't know you know the, the, that black crow song on much music that's pretty cool right and he's like no that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh but really it, it then the the big thing too, and I'm sure this was through through my friend Aaron. So he's like my lifeline. But you know, finding the college radio uh, programs at the at Ottawa University and Carleton University. So they all had late night punk shows and metal shows, but uh, it was mostly the punk shows for me. Um, and that was it. That it was game over. Um, just taping all the shows, just lying in bed listening to them, and. Uh, and getting that connection to, to a total, like, a, you know, a, a different world, a completely different world than, than where I was at in the suburbs, just, uh, uh, bored out of my mind. So <laughs> do you remember <laughs> what the first punk band was you heard? Uh, I'd like to, I, I honestly think that it was something like, I think th people are going to call bullshit on this. Uh, I, but I swear to you, it, I think it was repeater. I think it was Fugazi. I'm not joking. And that sounds a little bit made up. I'm sure to some people who know me, but, um, if they know the guy who was doing the, the radio show, his name was Sean Scallon and he has his, he was a photographer and he was a promoter in town as well. So he brought Fugazi to, to Ottawa several times. I don't know what several times, but many times. And he was sort of the spark plug in the community. He was also the biggest Fugazi fan in the world. He, uh, did some of their photographs and stuff, some of their iconic ones. And uh, anyway, so what I'm trying to say is I'm not <laughs> lying when I say that that's the first song I heard on his radio show. Cause he used to play them all the time. He'd play all that discord stuff. And Ottawa at the time had a really cool hardcore scene that was very indebted to the DC scene. Uh, so the sounds were kind of cross pollinating. There was good bands like shot maker in Ottawa and Okara and, 
you know, that were definitely influenced by, by the discord scene. So yeah, I think I heard like a repeater or something like that and assumed it was a local band and was like, Oh, who's that? That's interesting. And I was like, uh, you know, and always Sean had a, what was it called? He had a punk phone line that you could call. So, uh, two, three, four punks, P U N X, you dial that. And then Sean's voice would come on and he would be listing off all the concerts that you could go see that week or that for that month or something. And again, like legit life-saving stuff to find that like, Oh my God. Okay. And just like writing them, like just scribbling them all down off the phone line and then being like, okay, I've got my month planned out. Like, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> so my social calendar was right there. Yeah. It. I kind of missed that form of discovery of music because it's, it seemed like I remember the first punk song I heard was I saw your mommy and your mommy's dead. And my mind was fucking blown. And <laughs> yeah, like, I, I sure. was terrified to play it. I thought my mom was going to think I went crazy. <laughs> like it was. Yeah. And same. And a, a few years later, a friend of mine played me 13 songs in a dorm room, like North of Chicago. And I just was like those, those moments. Cause there's those moments where you're just like, Holy fuck. There's a world. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. and then you have like, then you spend the next, you know, whatever months going into it. <clears throat> yeah. Was the Ottawa scene, did you guys also mirror the sort of the D, uh, the discord DIY sort of mentality? Yeah. I mean, I was just getting, I was kind of showing up and not a little awkward and trying to meet people. And, uh, so it took me, a, I don't know, it took me a year or so to kind of meet friends and it was slightly standoff. It was slightly cliquey. Like I think like any kind of music scene that, but not impenetrable. You know, it was, it wasn't snobbish, but it was, you kind of, you suss it out for a while and then you meet like-minded people and, um, you know, in the end, I realized that it was, you know, incredibly inviting, but you just kind of had to put the time, put the time (laughs) in with some of these people because, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I've never thought of myself as an outcast really in any way. Um, but I think some of those people would have, and it's kind of, you know, not the most, uh, social creatures perhaps. So it took us all a while, but then, you know, then that was my life. That was my social circle. That was, those were my friends and, uh, spend every minute together. That was like the kind of scene that it was. It was like living in these, uh, you know, pretty cruddy apartments, like, you know, six, seven people and doing it so that everything was cheap and you could play music and you could go to shows and stuff. And, um, yeah, beautiful times. Like I look back on it as some of my favorite, favorite memories. Did, did, uh, how, when Mets formed, did you, did you have a fully realized sound in your head that you were going for or were you guys, uh, sort of did it take a while to discover what that was? It took a minute. Um, at first, so at first it was, uh, a guy named Chuck who played bass. And so it was Hayden, me and Chuck. And, 
we we would practice at an ungodly time. It was like we would we would practice at like I think it was something like ten thirty a.m. so that we could go work <laughs> after. Like I'd go work in a kitchen, and I forget what Hayden was doing at the time, but it it was just like we'd get there around 10 30 kind of have a coffee. And then I guess I, I think the neighbors would have complained if it had been before noon, but it was early and for a rock band to be practicing. <laughs> and, uh, we, we, yeah, just kind of, I think those guys were at the time, like really influenced by Hoover and stuff like that kind of groovy, um, rhythmic stuff like big bass lines and kind of big blocky beats and uh i'd like i like that too but i think i was at the time goofing around with more delays and trying for a little something more psychedelic so yeah it took a while and you know uh it really started to click once um Hayden and I moved to Toronto and met Chris. And that's, that's obviously like, that's when Matt's really started when the three of us started to, to really go at it. And, uh, at least the band that you could recognize, uh, today, that's when it, when it started. So that would have been around, I guess, 2007 or something like that. That's when I moved from Ottawa to Toronto. It's just, it's always funny. Cause in like biopics, it's, there's always just this one distinct moment where the guy is like suddenly realizes his sound. And I'm like, nothing, <laughs> nothing is ever that fucking fast or easy. It's no, no. I mean, I think that when we, we were asking, Hayden and I were asking around people like literally, you know, anyone who plays bass, like, and his girlfriend at the time said, yeah, I know somebody. Uh, I think he's got a base still. Uh, and we were so, we were so kind of specific about some things like we had, we already had a base amp for whoever was going to play bass. You're going to use this head and you're going to use this cab. We like, we knew that, <laughs> you know, and Hayden's, Hayden's also one of those guys who like had a band van before he had a band. Like he's like, well, we're going to need a, we're going to need a van. It's like, but Hayden, you don't have a band yet. You know, it's like, but he's like, but we're gonna have a band. <laughs> and he's, he's that kind of guy. So, which I think is about to hit 500 clicks. Now it's still going, but like he had that since he was a teen. Uh, and so, yeah, we met Chris said, here's your bass amp. <laughs> we want it to sound like this. And, uh, and, you know, I think we had a, we, we did have a sort of uh, eureka moment when we said, ah, there's a good, there's a good vibe in the room. Like the three of us playing, it wasn't so much like stumbling on a song or, a, or a sound, but it was just like, this feels good. Like the three of us playing feels good. So, you know, I think that was probably that moment for us, but then it took still, there was still a journey to be had as far as like figuring it, figuring out what, you want to do musically. And I think ultimately it never, it really ends. You know, I think you just continue searching for something a little bit more, um, musically. I, yeah. Cause I've read about like, you have a, a wide taste of music. I think is like most musicians do. And I, I wondered, I was like, 
I'm like, does he ever want to do a country album? I mean, do you ever want to do something so far removed from Mets that it would people would be like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think all musicians like want to spread their wings if you know they want to like use different parts of the brain. Um, so I've managed to do that. There was, there was a time when I, when I was a bit frustrated and wanted to add all kinds of, of my interests into Mets. And I realized, you know, through some trial and error that that's a really bad idea. (laughs) Um, and like that, we, that you should, um, kind of revel in your strengths as a, as you know, I, I think, I think there's a, a beautiful thing to our limitations as a three piece. And also like the, the way we play and is so natural to us that why, you know, why change that? Just like, let it, let it happen. You know, that being said, we want, we want to move forward and, and grow, but I think you can't force something like that. So I've managed to find other outlets to kind of appease that, that, um, that kind of urge, to like I've you know started with um a buddy of mine Graham Walsh who plays in the band Holy Fuck uh-huh. uh we've started to do TV and and film music so that's like com- you know a completely different compartment of your brain to sort of score to to a scene or to an image or to and uh that's something really cool to sort of go into the ambient world and then like you said I think my heart is always sort of tangled up with just pure pop music, like simplistic pop songs. Um, if it, whether it be country or stuff like, I don't know, Jesus and Mary Chain, I, I absolutely love. And recently like cleaners, uh, from Venus, like that kind of jangle sound and simplicity. I am absolutely like enamored with. So, you know, I, I, I can, I can focus on those things, um, outside of, of Mets. And I think that is the smartest thing to do <laughs> instead <laughs> of trying to, to incorporate everything into one beast. It, personally, I think Canadian comedy is way better than fucking American comedy. <laughs> I mean, bold statement, but like, yeah, when you're talking about that scene, I think there's, you know, it's, it's a, um, un- unbelievable kind of stable of talent, right? Yeah. I mean, I was a huge SCTV fan. John Candy is, yeah. is one of the best. John, there's nobody better than John Candy. That guy could make moments. I think you're right. There's He could make shit that was like on the page. There's no way that was intended to get a laugh and he would pull laughs from it. It was like really... <laughs> I could watch that guy all day long. Hayden is a huge John Candy fan. He'll, he'll, uh, I don't know. Did he bring it on? I think he's brought it on European tours and stuff like in the van, just like, okay, we're going to watch another one. We're like, okay, <laughs> no, there's no, you know, there's no argument from us. Like keep it coming. <laughs> yeah. I thought SCTV was like, the performances in that and kids in the hall, like those beyond like just sketch performance, there's just so much more going on with the characters. They weren't like these two dimensional bullshitty characters. There was like 
just it was rich for kids yeah kids in the hall i to this day i still feel that it's like subversive i i feel like uh, when i was watching it and i was like I can't believe that this is on TV and I can watch this. <laughs> it, like, honestly, was I, I was shocked then and I'm still shocked. And I love that that has become so popular and like uh, just accepted. Like, I don't know. I, I, I was just like, this is so weird. But, you know, but I like it, but it's like, my God, what's even going on? Like wh- what's going through their heads? And, uh, I don't know, just total genius. Like that, that show is just untouchable. Yeah. I've worked with, I did a, I did a benefit for, with Wayne Kramer and Dave Foley. Like I organized for Wayne's charity and it was just like uh-huh. to be working with both of those guys. It was just surreal. Cause I was like, Oh, two of my heroes. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just also like a, a cross crossing of two weird worlds. And it was, it was kind of, it was pretty wild. Uh, um, yeah. Well, I love stress for no reason. That was very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> That's what our lives are full of now. These things that don't really matter, but uh, can drive you crazy. Yeah, it's all just yeah. It, it, all this, it's just everything in the world comes out, and I get. Uh, I had to like check myself because there was a period where I was just like flying off the handle because of the smallest thing in the world. And, right. And then of course, when you have a kid, you can't do that, <laughs> but it's like, you know, you're living in y- y- this weird world and we have a f- fucking nightmare for a president. So it's like, it's just hard not to, uh, feel like shit, but I just, yeah, I think the it's, it strikes me that like the, you know, the whole world is in a state of depression or something right now. And, and uh, and just scared, you know, I definitely, this, this feeling everywhere of just dread. It's, it's unbelievable. It's like nothing I've ever you know, felt or witnessed before. I know I, I, I can't help it. Like, I just keep thinking back like, like, Oh, this is our great depression. This is, this is our shit moment. And I guess every hundred years there has to be a really shitty chunk Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i i I don't know but it's like and then it's compacted with you know global warming and a nightmare president and it's just like and who frankly if gets reelected, i'm like well that's gonna totally fuck the environment because he's not doing shit to to help that i think the yeah i think the lack of leadership is a huge cause of like the, the the fear and stress it's just like you know steering this thing we're we're like untethered we are floating off course and uh no one's at the helm so i mean that's sort of like a lot of what goes through my head when even writing music you know it's it's like our record is sort of riddled with anxiety and it's just sort of from looking around looking out the window looking like you know the the world we live in that's sort of the reflection that's coming back i think through through our songs yeah when did you start working on the album you know as soon as we were done one album i feel like the very next day or something it's you know you've recorded you've gone through 
the mixing process, you've gone through the mastering process. And by the time you, oh, you've done the artwork, you've, you know, worked on the packaging, liner notes, and then you have this, you know, uh, this feeling of uh, like a weight being lifted off. You're sort of, you're by that point, you're ready to jump right back into the, to the beginning of the process, which is like, you know, often the fun part, the writing and uh, just kind of let, letting things happen. And so it's hard to say when we, this one started, like I would just say it started as soon as strange piece ended, you know, which I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you when that was. It's just a blur, but uh, yeah, it kind of starts immediately after the, the, we've wrapped one album. Was strange piece with Albini? Yes. Um, I, I swear to God, Albini, Wayne Kramer, and David Yao are the three names mostly brought up, most brought up in this podcast. It's very, it's, I mean, I guess it says a lot about who they are. How, how was it? Because I've met Albini, actually. Uh, his wife used to manage the Second City in Chicago, so I've been around okay. him a bunch. But um, he's, never was I uh, comfortable. Because, <laughs> 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 you, you know, you see, he's, a very uh, critical, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but he's very critical when you read interviews or even watch interviews with him. And it's like, was did you feel that from him at all? Did you like have that in your head when you worked with him, or was it freeing? It's, you know, I, I know exactly what you're saying, and it's this sort of sternness to him. But I gotta say, he made us feel really welcome and really comfortable. Um, it was, you certainly can't ever forget sort of his shadow, you know, like the, the immense achievements of his musically and, and, and more. And so that's always there. That's definitely in the back of your mind. But, um, I don't think any of us let, let it get to the front of our mind. You know, I think, and he certainly aided in making a relaxed vibe, uh, you know, as relaxed as it can be with him. Like he's very business, but, um, I think it was a great fit. It was sort of like, it's not too far off from the three of us because, um, when we get down to it, it's not really like this. (laughs) uh, It's not really this joyous thing. It's kind of this serious thing. Like we're, we're deadly serious about it and getting it, the way we want it or the way we hear it in our heads. And, and so like in the studio is always a bit of a tense time anyway for us. So what he allowed us to do was approach it from a new angle of, um, almost rethinking the process of recording. Cause you know, we used to do the, the, the more modern approach of okay, drums first, you know, bass second. Okay. Now it's time to do, uh, guitars and everything else. But with him, we did it his way. And it was very much, you know, I'm going to roll tape. You guys are going to play in the room and uh, let's hear how that sounds. And it was cool and it was freeing. It was like, and I, I really do, at the end of it, I saw the merit in his approach and why he's so adamant about it uh, is that it takes a lot of the the time-wasting nonsense and, and second thinking uh, out of the equation in a really cool and, and, uh, you know, productive way. Like we, I think it was one of the fastest records we ever made because it wasn't like, 
sweating the small stuff. It was just like, is the feel right? Are the sounds right? You know, you definitely have to have your shit together when you go in with him. There's no, like, you're definitely not in there arranging your songs and stuff like that. That's not what he's there for. And I, you know, I get that. So what I guess what I'm trying to say is that it was a refreshing change for us, um, for him to be there and also to be, you know, you're going to work my way this time. And I thought it was great. That's really interesting. Did did you carry any of that into this new album? I no. <laughs> uh, other than other than like as far as pre-production goes, we were like I'd say really really prepared for the recording of this album. Like we demoed it to death and had like I had arranged pretty much you know two guitar tracks for each song for the first time. I had never approached our band that way. So I kind of wanted these intermingling guitars this time around and even had like, I'm going to use this guitar for this and this guitar with this and this amp. Like I was really kind of preparing. So that was similar, but the, like going in with Ben Greenberg and Seth Manchester, uh, it couldn't have been a different thing. It was way more laid back. And it was way more, I'd say, exploratory in some ways, uh, which, which is great. And I think, you know, one of the main reasons we wanted Ben to co-produce is because when we had toured with his band, Uniform, um, we just had the best time. We like he's got this infectious laugh and vibe. And he was uh, he does a lot of production for bands, and he was like, hey let's do a record. And I, I, and I was like, Oh, that's a good idea. That'd be fun. And, uh, I, but I kept pushing him off and I'm being like, cause I don't know. I'm all three of us are very, you know, verging on control freaks, but I think I'm the worst offender. <laughs> so I was like, you know, get out of, like, yeah, cool. Good idea. But like back up. <laughs> but, uh, then I was like, no, let's do it. Uh, we, we all thought it was a great idea and his vibe and his sort of approach to music and love of music was so refreshing. And like, he's almost just like a kid in the studio. He's just so excitable and, you know, incredibly knowledgeable as well. So, um, I could say it was the complete opposite of strange peace and working with Steve, who's like, just like endless jokes and, Oh, let's try this. Well, let's, let's cut this song in half or, you know, it was like really open to whatever. And, and so, um, yeah, really, I think we all really enjoyed it. And, uh, have you already started working on what you're going to do next? In the in bits and bobs, like, uh, I won't lie the you know, the kind of situation of the, the not knowing what's coming or if we're ever going to get to tour this record or if it's certainly kind of throwing us for a loop. And, uh, you know, I just finished talking about how after you're done an album, I jump right back into it. Uh, I don't know if I could honestly say that that's happened this time. I've been, I've been, way more uh focused on like just regular life <laughs> and <laughs> holding that together and trying not to go crazy and and 
and uh, like I said before, spending time with my family, that like quality time, and so yeah, like these are just these are just strange times, and it's not it's not business as usual for me. It's not. Uh, it hasn't been that easy. Like I guess, so, I guess you know, it's not writer's block, but it's kind of just not focusing on it as much as I usually would if, if things were quote unquote normal. Yeah. It sure as the fuck ain't normal. It's, uh, <laughs> well, it's, I mean, I, I get it too, because it's like, I don't know. It's hard to be motivated when you have, you can't your head just isn't clear these days i'm not not yours specifically but mine no i agree though yeah i do agree with you yeah it's just a lot of clutter uh in my brain and it's just because there's so much shit coming at you you can't you know it's 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 hard (laughs) yeah i had a hard time researching you and i you know and that's something i love doing is learning about people but i just there's Mm -hmm days where you're just like oh, can't i just stare at the wall and not exist <laughs> yeah can i disappear now please it, yeah it's uh, you know meds and music in general has always been an amazing uh outlet emotionally for me i joke that it's my it's like free therapy i you know but i think there's truth in it uh and i think it's you know even uh, having something that you love and cherish, like playing live shows and connecting with people that way, um, kind of stripped from you out of the blue. Uh, it's a shock to the system. It's, uh, you, you kind of lost a part of yourself and you're like, when will, will I get this back? Like, when will I get this back? And like, how can I fill this void if it doesn't come back? And, just never for a maybe realizing that you were take you did take it for granted. Like I didn't think that live music would be put into jeopardy, you know, <laughs> like I just never for a second imagined a world like that. And here it is. And, uh, it, it threw me for a loop. And I think I'm still there. I think I'm still like every day being like, damn, I, you know, I, something's missing. I really want to feel that way again. And I hope that, you know, we can. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, I would imagine it's cathartic to go, uh, insane like that on stage. Cause you guys put, no, on, it's the best thing ever. Yeah. It's, the, it's like, it's, yeah, it's medicine. It's, it, it's crazy medicine for a crazy world. Or I don't know. And, uh, it's gotta be a reason why I connect connected with it immediately. Like when I was younger, it was just like, there was just something there that just resonated pretty deeply and it's, it has, has never wavered. And, uh, so, you know, I guess that's as, as legit as it can be. Yeah. It's still like kind of my main focus and love. Yeah, Ryan Katner from Man Man, I mentioned to him that I was interviewing you, and he was like, those guys are the fucking best band live I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> uh, And that's what I hear from a lot of people. They're just like, fucking unbelievable show. Like, And they say it wow. like with religious fervor. <laughs> wow. Um, that's such a nice thing to say. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I think it's just a... Uh, we kind of pride ourselves on being 
an honest band without a lot of pretense, like just, just like, here we are, but we're going to, we're going to play our hearts out. You know, there's not much else to it other than the music and, and the way you perform it. So, and when I was discussing like first getting together, the three of us and talking about that vibe, like that kind of energy and passion was there like right away. It was never something they had to work at. So, um, and it, I, I don't think I can really think of a time when it wasn't there, you know, sure. You know, the first couple of years we definitely played too many shows and I, you know, you played 200 plus shows in a year. It's probably not a good idea for your relationships or your brain, but, um, I can't think of many that I think we, you know, phoned it in. I can't think of any, to be honest. And so that's just a natural occurrence with, with us. Uh, we, we take a lot of pride in that, in that show. Yeah. Is there, cause we've talked about dumb Americans a few times. <laughs> I was just curious if there's like, if I can what? say North Americans, I think <laughs> is fair. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious because I, I wonder if Americans have a misconception of what Canadian music is because I feel like most of us are lazy and don't uh, look into it. If if there's like a world of or a scene going on in Canada that maybe no one is aware of or needs to be aware of. Uh, is that a dumb question <laughs> from a dumb American? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I think there's like, yeah, there, there's so much good stuff up here. Um, but I think it's getting, I think since we've been around, like, you know, putting out records since 2012, the, that there's been a huge spotlight put on Canada. I think, I think, uh, the, you know, musicians in, in Toronto, which is like kind of in Montreal are the major kind of music cities, I guess, Vancouver too. Um, I don't think we're really struggling to find that attention. Like we maybe once were, um, I think, I think most, uh, kind of media outlets and whatnot are kind of like privy to it. Like they're like to the fact that there's some quality stuff happening up here, just like down in the States. So, um, I mean, I could rhyme, I could make you a list a hundred, a hundred plus, you know, groups or artists long that I thought were phenomenal, but, uh, you know, of course I'm coming up with nothing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> nothing at all nothing at all yeah, nothing good up here i've discovered some great stuff through blogs and stuff i was a big fan of uh the apollo ghosts which pretty much are still unknown I, but yeah he do you know who they are yeah yeah absolutely yeah uh, not not personally but i know the music um but yeah and when does the new album come out it comes out october october 8th i 8th. believe okay uh, well, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll put all the stuff in the show notes of where they can find it and you and your things, but I want to thank you very much for your time. And, oh, my pleasure, man. Thank you. And uh, I will, uh, real quick, is it cool with you if I usually um, use a song from a band when, to open up the show, like uh, you mm-hmm. know, if uh, if I may use one of your songs or if you have one that you would like oh, me to use? But of, but of course, no, no, whatever you want. Um, I'll use something, I'll get something like uh, the 
off the new album. So, yeah, yeah. I think when's this going to come out? Wednesday. Unless you want okay. to hold on to it for a couple weeks or something. No, I don't think that's rad. Um, yeah, either either of the new two singles is up to you. That'd be great. Speaking of which, uh, your fucking videos, like so many videos are horrible. <laughs> your guys' <laughs> videos are fucking great. Like really, like they're like f- cinematic and they're interesting. And they like everyone I've seen, I just fucking love. Thank you. I... Uh, I'm going to give full credit to uh, the directors. We, <laughs> we, we know how to pick them, I guess. That's what it comes down to. It's like we've got some really talented friends, and then I think we just have been fortunate to be able to work with uh, artists and directors uh, who are insanely talented and inspired and are willing to work with us. So we feel fortunate, you know, like... Um, but we can't take very much of the credit as far as those, all those videos. I, I love them too, but it's like, that's on all of those other people for making something like just out of this world to fit, to, to kind of, uh, prop up our music in a way. And, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm like very, very, uh, every time kind of shocked at what what people there's another one coming up soon that i, I it's just like what <laughs> is it like just how did this come into your head based like on our song and, and it's just fascinating to me so yeah uh, uh much love to all of the the talented directors who have made videos for us thank you yeah, I feel like it, it, a lot of bands' videos, it just seems like they're going through the motions and they're like, well, we got to do this and maybe we'll... <laughs> it's like, But like yours, they're great. That's I don't need to repeat myself, but I just they're very unique and it's, it's, it's rare and I'm glad to see somebody put some fucking actual effort into it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, well, thank you very much, Alex. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. Remember to rate and review it. And if you like, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash conversations with Dwyer. Also, listen to my friend's podcast, Hunk by Mike Bridenstein and Kill Gallon's Pub with Joe Kilgallen. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to seeing you again. (laughs) 